We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Notre Dame offense, the need to score points, and how that relates to Brian Kelly's comments on Saturday. So we're going to dive into that. And, and obviously this has been a huge topic uh, at Irish Breakdown really for since we started this, this website. And this has been something... Uh, that I've been talking about for a couple of years. And, and I came up with a phrase a couple of years ago, and this is why this is relevant to Notre Dame. And the, the phrase that I came up with to try to define how to win in today's game and how to define college football in the 2020, you know, 19, 20, 21 and moving forward. And the expression was, look, defense is going to get you to the show. But offense wins championships. The, the, the era of defense winning championships is gone. The era of Alabama beating uh, LSU in a low-scoring game is gone. It's just it's not existent right now. Could it cycle back someday? I expect it to because that's how football is. It's cyclical. But right now, if you want to win a championship, it's about scoring points. We've seen it really going all the way back to the 2013 Florida State team. Even teams that have great defenses in the regular season, which is what I believe you have to have, to consistently win enough to put yourself in the playoff. I think Notre Dame has done a great job of establishing that. Brian Kelly did a lot of things post-2016 to get the defense to the point where you feel like every year they're going to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And we saw that especially in 2020. And when you look at, for example, the Louisville game, 
that type of 12-point performance on offense is not something we see from Alabama. It's not something we see from Clemson. It's not something we see from Ohio State. It's not something we see from Oklahoma. We saw it from the Notre Dame offense. But Notre Dame still won because they have a great defense. We saw it throughout the season. They've really got to the point, especially the last three seasons, where Notre Dame plays defense, in my opinion, about about as well as anybody in the country. And you look at the numbers. The numbers show that. Notre Dame in the last three seasons has given up fewer points per game, I, I believe, than Alabama. I, I did some research on this. It's about the same. I think Notre Dame is slightly lower. Notre Dame has given up fewer yards per game, about the same yards per play. So defensively, Notre Dame has, has been great on defense. And, and when you look at Clemson, 2016, 2018, those teams were outstanding on defense. Alabama has been a very, very good defense since Nick Saban got there. And that hasn't that hasn't suffered. I mean, this past season was their worst defensive performance of Nick Saban's – I mean, really in over a decade for Nick Saban. I think maybe going all the way back to his first year. And yet they still only give up 19, 19.4 points per game. So defense is, is, is really good. But then you look at the playoffs, the college football playoff, excuse me. The semifinal teams on average score 39, I think it's 39.7 points per game. The teams that win the title, I'm talking about in the playoff games, not in the course of the season, actually in the playoff games. 39, I believe 39.7 points per game. The championship game, teams are averaging over 40 points per game in the title game. So when I'm talking about what teams are averaging, I'm not talking about what they're averaging coming into the game, You know, which can be built up by playing FCS schools and bad teams. I'm talking about what they score in games that are playoff games against other playoff opponents. Notre Dame, for example, has, has held Clemson well below, in, in 2018, held Clemson well below their season scoring average. Clemson was averaging mid to high 40s when they came into that game. Notre Dame held them to 30. This year, Alabama scored almost 50 points a game. If if it wasn't for Notre Dame holding Alabama to 31 points in the playoff game, or uh, yeah, 31 points in this year's playoff game, Alabama would have been around 50 points a game. Afterwards, they ended up scoring at 48.5 because Notre Dame held them to 31. That's considered a really good performance. 20 years ago, that would have been a bad defensive performance in a big game. The game has just changed. So even when you're playing against great defenses, you're still going to get your points if you want to win a championship. And that's where Notre Dame has been has been behind. And that's been one of my criticisms of, of the program as far as what they need to do to get to the next level. Some encouraging things have been happening that I hope are followed through. And I want to talk about those as part of today's of today's podcast. So I'm going to begin by playing a, a comment that that Brian Kelly made on Saturday to a question that I asked a, asked him uh, about he he talked about in a previous uh, interview about building this a team's identity and, and I think that's fascinating because one of the things I love about college football is how much teams are going to change in certain ways from year to year. If you go back and watch the offenses with Clemson and Deshaun Watson, you're going to see some similarities between the teams that Trevor Lawrence ran, but you're also going to see a lot of differences because teams take on a different personality every year as you lose leaders, get leaders back. And then there's those teams that evolve and, and build their identities. And Coach Kelly talked about building around the players that they have, which is how you should build. So I asked him a question about, you know, what's the process like? end of the season to spring to the fall, what's the process like? He didn't really answer that question, but 
the the question that he answered or the answer that he gave was actually, even though it wasn't to the question that I asked, it was a, I loved his answer. And anyone that's been following me for a long period of time knows that I, I don't put a lot of stock in what's said at press, press conferences because coaches say a lot of things and these guys are savvy media people and, and all those types of things. But, but I have to say, this is about the third or fourth thing that Brian Kelly has said that's not necessarily directly addressing certain issues, but comments that he's making that are telling me that there are some things that he knows have to change and that he wants to change them because he wants to win a title. We've seen it on the recruiting trail. He's more involved in the recruiting trail. And my hope is that we start to see these things on the football field. And, and the comment he made, again, it, it really wasn't what I asked. So he gave this answer. <sighs> It, just I'm going to play it for you, and, and I'm trying to explain. I'm not I'm not criticizing him criticizing him for not answering the question the way that I asked it. I'm actually happy that he answered it the way that he did, even though he didn't necessarily answer it the way that I wanted him to, which I was going to use for an article. <laughs> I like this answer better because of the things he talks about. So I'm just going to play that for you, and I want you to just hear what Coach Kelly said, and then we'll we'll talk about it afterwards. You know, you, you establish those things, you know, when you get on the field. Um, and, and, and so when we went into last year, you know, we knew that we had uh, established ourselves on the field with a returning offensive line. So we were going to build it with a returning offensive line and a quarterback. Uh, and, and we felt like that, that was going to be with, with the, the certainty of the offensive line and the quarterback and not knowing what we had at the wide receiver court, we were going to commit ourselves, you know, to being, um, you know, a team that was going to, you know, exert its physicality on the offensive line. Now we, we move into 21 with less certainty on the offensive line, less certainty at the quarterback position. And, you know, now we know that we've got to score points. So we're going to go into this spring and we're going to kind of find out where, where it is that this offense will operate most efficiently, you know? And so where we had much, a, a much better understanding of where we were going to go this spring is really about trying to establish how will this offense um, uh, serve itself best with the players that we have and those that will be playing a great deal for us um, serve itself best in terms of scoring points. This is about scoring. Um, and, and so we're going to use this spring and preseason to kind of, you know, put that together. So that was coach Kelly's answer to what I asked and you could, he kind of got to it at the beginning, but then went away from it. But it, when he went away from it, he started saying a couple things and he's made comments like this before where he talks about, you know, he, you know, now we know it's about scoring and <laughs> I'm going to take the positive angle on this and, and not talk about the fact that, you know, why did it take as long as it did? Because I don't really care. I, what I care about is that he gets there and that's the, the encouraging thing. And, and just to back up my point of, of what I'm saying, this is the points per game for Notre Dame from the last three seasons. And you compare that to uh, the points per game that the last three national championship teams have won. And it's points per game, yards per game, yards per play, rushing yards per game, rushing yards per play, passing yards per game, yards per pass attempt, and yards per completion. And if you're listening to this in podcast form, essentially what it shows is that the last three seasons, Notre Dame averaged 33.9 points per game. 
The last three national title teams have averaged 44.3, between 44.3 and 48.5. Notre Dame has been at 43.9 yards per game and 6.2 yards per play. The title winning teams have been between 527.2 and 568.4 yards per game and then 7.4 to 7.9 yards per play, significantly higher than Notre Dame. What you'll find, however, is that Notre Dame averaged more yards per game rushing the last two years than Alabama or LSU, not as much as Clemson in 2018. And Notre Dame's yards per attempt, yards per rush, yards per play in the run game has been higher, has been right at that level. Alabama was at 5.0 and LSU was at 4.9. Notre Dame is very, very close to that. The big difference here, as you'll see, is in the pass game, especially between the last two teams. Now, Clemson's a little different, and here's why there's some context to be understood here. Clemson averaged 279 passing yards per game. Notre Dame has been at 249.3 the last three years, and that's with Ian Book a quarterback. So we we took out the year that Brandon Wimbush was a quarterback because it was a completely different offense, and that's I didn't want to compare that because then it would it would make my point better, but it would be it would be misleading because it was a it would it would lack context. So we just stuck with the last three years. Notre Dame's about 30 yards less per game than Clemson, but they were. 58 yards fewer rushing yards than Clemson. So they were significantly behind Clemson in that balance format. But uh, LSU and Alabama the last two years averaged between 358.2 and 401.6 yards per game passing. And then Notre Dame was 7.9 yards per attempt, 12.6 yards per completion, whereas Clemson and LSU or LSU and Alabama were at 10.6 to 11.0 and then for uh, per attempt and then 14.1 to 14.4 yards per completion. Now, Clemson was an 8.2 and 12.8, but here's why you have to understand some context here, and I want to point this out to you. Notre Dame runs more of a pro-style type of attack, just like Alabama and LSU. There are differences to all their offenses philosophically, but they are pro-style offenses. Clemson, however, is more of a traditional spread offense, and the reason that matters is because in a traditional spread offense, you're going to have fewer yards per pass attempt unless you just have insane playmakers because it is an offense that spends a lot of time throwing the backs. It's an offense that spends a lot of time throwing behind the line of scrimmage, throwing a lot more screens, a lot more things along those lines, not as many vertical shots. So when you have that type of breakdown, you're not going to be quite as high on the yards per pass attempt thing. But then when you look at Clemson's total yards per play, they're still up near Alabama and Clemson because they were so much better in their yards per play, so there's more of a balance there. So it's a little bit different. Notre Dame offense philosophically, meaning not run balance type of thing, but more of just the type of schemes, the type of approach, the type of attack that they use is more comparable to Alabama and LSU. That's why I didn't have Oklahoma in here. Number one, Oklahoma hasn't won a title, but number two, Oklahoma runs a completely different type of offense. So yes, they can score points, but the point being, we're trying to figure out how where Notre Dame needs to be when it comes to being able to compete for a championship with who they are. So that that those numbers show a very clear gap. Now, if you compare. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The defensive numbers, Notre Dame is almost identical to Alabama and Clemson the last three seasons. And they were better than what LSU was the year that they won the title. Where Notre Dame is way, way behind right now is on defense and that's the or on offense and that's the part that we need to address before we address that and i want to get into some things let's i I, we need to have a a quick quick word here from one of our sponsors so we can handle some business and then we'll get back to wrapping this thing up and talking about why it matters what coach kelly said why it matters that he acknowledges it and then some of the things that need to be done and some of the things i'm hearing are being done to get notre dame to that level so we'll be back here in just uh, about 30 seconds The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. So it was great to hear Coach Kelly talk about it's about scoring now because that's true. I mean, it is absolutely true. And normally I would say, hey, I just think he's given lip service and those type of things. But the reason I'm encouraged by by what he said was I think we're seeing some things in these brief highlights, but more so based on things I'm hearing and things people are telling me that, that make me think that this is more than just lip service. This is more than just Brian Kelly, you know, saying things that we want to hear. This is Brian Kelly acknowledging that, look, we, we need to get there. And, and and we were asked a question in the, the mailbag on Friday and it was about, is, is Brian Kelly too stubborn to change? And I think Brian Kelly is stubborn. I think, I think all coaches have some stubbornness to them. I, I think Nick Saban is stubborn, but stubbornness is in itself is not a problem. It's, is your stubbornness to the point where it's a detriment to all the other attributes that you have as a coach. And and I think all, most great coaches are stubborn and it's, it's built around, Hey, I, I've won a lot of games and Brian Kelly has two national championships at the division two level and has had some, some outstanding seasons. So this notion of, well, Hey, I obviously know what I'm doing and what we've been doing has, has got us to the playoff, but the frustration has been there's not as much of a push to say, hey, okay, we 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 haven't got there yet. And you know, not justifying a 17 point, you know, or 27 point loss in the playoff by saying, well, we didn't lose by as much as Alabama did. Those are the kind of frustrating things. But deep down, what I said in the response to the the question on Friday was I think more than being stubborn, Brian Kelly cares about his legacy. And he and as all great coaches do, that's not a criticism. I would, if I was in his shoes, I'd be worried. I'd be concerned about that too. You know, what, what kind of, I've invested 11 years here. What kind of legacy am I going to leave? How am I going to be remembered? He understands to be remembered on the same way as Lou Holtz and, and Eric Parsegian and, and Frank Leahy and Newt Rockney. Obviously he can have all the wins and things that he wants and all that. And 
past this coach and that coach and wins. And that doesn't matter. Not to, not to anyone that really understands what Notre Dame is all about, but people that understand what Notre Dame is all about is, do you have a ring? Do you have a championship? And ultimately Brian Kelly's a competitor and he wants to win a championship. So I think he gets it. And I think the, the last couple of, you know, getting his butt whooped in the playoff and then realizing those teams are really good on offense and we're not has gotten him to the point where I think he understands we have to score more points. Now, the question is, how do you go about doing that? Simply saying, well, we're going to throw it around the field 70 times is not the answer. It's 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 saying, hey, we're going to run this play or that concept is not the answer. Just simply saying we're going to run some RPOs is not the answer. You know, I think that th- that last part, RPOs, is a part of the answer, but it's not the end-all, be-all. If Notre Dame just adds RPO to their RPOs of their offense and doesn't change anything else, yeah, they'll score a little bit more points against the team that stink, but they're not going to get into the playoff and be that much more competitive. It's an overall philosophical change. And so, obviously, one thing that needs to change at Notre Dame to get to the level where they can score at that elite level is they need better quarterback play. And we've talked about this. This isn't a knock on Ian Book. This is a knock on every quarterback that started at Notre Dame since Jimmy Clausen left. You know, this is this is about there's been some good moments. There's some positives about, I mean, Everett Golson had some positives. Tommy Reese had positives. Brandon Wimbush had positives. Sean Kaiser, Malik Zaire, Ian Book, they all had positives, and, and all of them won games. But are, are they're not they don't play well in the big games more often than not. And, and Notre Dame has just not been on the level to where they can be elite. It, and it's always something missing. It's either one year the defense isn't there, or one year the quarterback's not there, the line's not there, they don't have the skill players, whatever. There's always some kind of reason. The reality is there's a philosophical problem that needs to be addressed. I think partly it was it began to be addressed when Chip Long was the offensive coordinator, more so from a recruiting standpoint than it was from a necessarily a philosophical standpoint. And that is we saw Coach Long recruit more playmakers at receiver we went away a little bit from the big guys and and more to these guys that are playmakers now we saw it at times when Mike Dembrock was recruiting and, and he did it I mean Kevin Stefferson was obviously that kind of player I thought CJ Sanders could have been Jalen Guyton was a, a guy that kind of fit that mold a little bit but more often than not we saw Equinemia St. Browns and the the Miles Boykins and the Chase Claypools and the Javon McKinley's and those those type of players and and so in 2018, we started to see more speed. Saw Brain Lindsay, saw Lawrence Keith, even Kevin Austin, who's a big guy, is a is a playmaker. He's an after the catch playmaker. You know, 2020, 2019, they brought in Kendall Abdul Rahman. Now he's since transferred, but the the principle was still there. It's this is a guy that's good with the ball in his hands, and the reason he's transferring is because they're so loaded at that position that he just wasn't going to get a chance. And and there's some other issues there that that I think hurt him more than other receivers because. The young guys don't get developed and coached at Notre Dame. Guys don't really start getting coached until they're either in the rotation or they're older. And for a guy that played quarterback in high school, that was a, a major problem. So you know, we did we saw Avery Davis not really you know emerge until his senior year. Well, Kendall understandably didn't want to wait that long, especially when you look at all the talent being brought in after him. You look at the 2020 class. We talk about Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts. Those are players. Those aren't guys that are just, you know, going to run routes. And I I talk about the – I'm going to actually do a show on this soon because I think this will be a good topic to discuss. It, 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 building an ideal receiving core means you want different skill sets. You don't just want cookie cutters. And it's great to have, you know, Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool on the outside. But when you play teams like Clemson, for example, who have bigger corners and they can somewhat – neutralize them to a degree then and you don't have complementary pieces you're going to be in trouble 
You also don't necessarily want nothing but fast guys because then you're going to sometimes play a team that has enough speed on the perimeter that they can run with you a little bit, or they have a great pass rush that allows them to kind of get to those situations. You, I like a balance, and I like guys that – and you can really break it down into two categories. One is – well, three. One is players that do most of their best work before and to the point of the catch. That is a, a Miles Boykin type. That is a Javon McKinley type, meaning all the work they do, the best things they do are things that happen up to the point of the catch. So that means being a good route runner or being physical or being big. And so, you know, they can just get open and you know, throw the back shoulder or throw the post or throw the dig or the drag. But once they make the catch, that's really what that's the end of their dominance. You know, they can make plays if they're open, but they're not going to Javon McKinley for as good as he was. He, he averaged 18 yards of catch in his career. Miles Boykin was a a big play guy, but they weren't, they were making big plays down the field. They weren't necessarily catching balls and doing a lot after it. Javon McKinley had that one play against New Mexico, but you know, this year as a starter, we didn't see that a whole lot. Miles Boykin didn't do that a whole lot. Then there's the guys to me that do their best work at the point of, and then after the catch, those are guys that can make people miss guys that can turn a slant into a big play. Braden Lindsay is a perfect example of that. You know, yes, Braden Lindsay can beat you on a go route, but the thing that makes him dangerous is he can catch the ball and then outrun you. Will Fuller is that kind of guy. And and so, yes, what they did before the point of the catch is important. It's important for all players, but their dynamic aspects are what they do once the ball's in their hand. You know, so Will Fuller can catch a, you know, a slant route or a screen against Syracuse. Remember this game in, in 2014, catches the ball on the left side of the, the line of scrimmage makes a bunch of dudes miss, runs, and ends up scoring on the opposite side of the field. Miles Boykin's a great player, but he wasn't doing that. And, and so it's not better, not worse. It's just different. And to me, you need that blend. Now, what the 2015 receiving core did not have was a Miles Boykin, was a Chase Claypool. What the 2018 receiving class didn't have was an Amir Carlisle or a Will Fuller or a Chris Brown. And so finding that balance is going to be the key. And so we're starting to see that a little bit more in recruiting. In the 2021 class, for example, you had Deion Colsey, who's a big receiver. You had Jane Thomas, who's a bit of a bigger receiver. And then, of course, you had uh, you had Lorenzo Styles, who's the other type of receiver. Now, the third type are guys that can do both. Those guys are kind of rare. And those are the elite players. And, yes, it's nice to have those guys, but but I think you can be successful without them. And so when I look at the receiving moving forward, I'm hoping – that we continue to see Notre Dame recruit the way that they did the last few years, which is yes, get the big guys, you know, find your six, three, six, four guys, but make sure you're bringing in your skill playmakers as well. And I think that's important, but if you don't, at the end of the day, if you don't have a quarterback that can make the plays and make the reads and get the ball where it needs to go and, and do all those types of things, then that receiving aspects doesn't matter. And we've seen that in the big games, no matter what type of receiving group they had, the quarterbacks didn't make enough plays in the games that, that really mattered. And I think that's where Notre Dame needs to get better. But if you have more playmakers and you have an offense to me, and this is what we get down to what Notre Dame needs to be more emphasizing on offense is more perimeter playmakers. And they've had them. They had them in 2018. They had them last year. They just have to use them and build the offense around them. And this is what I heard Coach Kelly talking about in this comment, but then other comments talking about the receivers that he has. I think he's understanding that, that hey, there's different types of receivers and we have to be able to utilize all of them. We can't just use the power forwards on the outside and a slot guy on the inside. We need to have both skills on the inside and outside. 
And I think that's some of the things that we're hearing. And, you know, when you look at, at the receiving core that they have, Jack, if Jack Cohn or Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner, whoever the quarterback is, has to make the perfect read every time, and it's a vertical pass, and it's just getting the ball downfield, and it's all those type of things, that limits your effectiveness. Think about Mac Jones's first touchdown pass against Notre Dame in the playoff game. It was not a deep, great read. As a matter of fact, it came after he almost got picked off on a vertical pass. It's a flipping bubble screen. It just He threw it to a guy that could make some miss, and then he went and did something with it. Who was going to do that for Notre Dame in 2000, in 2021 or 2020? You can say Avery Davis could, but we didn't often see him in those kind of routes. Avery Davis was often used to run vertical routes. He was asked to run an offense that did not predicate itself on getting him the ball in space, getting him screens, allowing him to do that kind of thing. We just rarely saw that, not just that he couldn't do it, but we just didn't see him get the opportunity to do it. And so that has to be a part of it. You have to take pressure off your quarterback to where he doesn't always have to make the right downfield read. Quickly get the ball outside. Run your slants. Run your hitches. Run your RPOs. Run your quick perimeter screens. Do those type of things. And that puts more pressure on the defense, which then opens up the running game. And it takes pressure off of your offensive line. And, of course, Notre Dame's going to need their offensive line to reload this year. I think two key ingredients to making this happen are RPOs and tempo. They're not the end-all, be-all, but they're a big part of it. And when I talk tempo, again, I'm not talking about looking like Chip Kelly back when he was at Oregon. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about getting things done quicker, running at a faster pace, getting lined up and being able to play, and being able to use speed with your tempo on a more consistent basis and not allowing defenses to constantly get into the right checks and the right calls. Go fast. Make them make simple calls and then attack and be aggressive. Talking to some sources, I am hearing that they're running more RPOs this spring than they have in the past. Now, whether or not that's going to manifest when we get to the fall, I don't know. I hope that it's not a situation where the RPOs are just kind of something they do every now and then. You have to do them consistently, not every snap. You go back and watch Alabama. There's plays where their receivers are just blocking, okay? But I look at this receiving core and I don't see dominant blockers. I don't see a Javon McKinley or a Miles Boykin or Chase Claypool. So that's another reason to be more effective with your RPOs is if you're going to have Braden Lindsay on the game and you're running the football, what value is he bringing to you as a blocker? Is he going to compete as a blocker? Yes. And, and that's the thing I've always liked about Braden. He's going to compete as a run blocker. But is that really the best way to utilize him in the run game or is using him on an RPO to try to threaten the defense to get that safety thinking about him Instead of your run game, more of more effective use of his skill set in the run game. Same thing with Lawrence Key. Same thing with Xavier Watts. Same thing with Jordan Johnson. And so RPOs are not just about getting the ball out in the pass game. It's about using those aspects to then make your run game better and make yourself more explosive and give the defenses more things to focus on and worry about. And we played what Coach Saban said about that stuff last week. And the fact that Notre Dame is hopefully using that more is encouraging and we saw we saw a video clip of that recently which which we talked about in in the last podcast I did with Vince about you know I'm really hoping that this is a, a sign of things to come because they do have the playmakers to do it so that's 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 where I'm at when when you when you look at what coach Kelly said I'm very encouraged by it I'm encouraged by some of the things we're seeing in the in the videos I'm encouraged by the fact that we're seeing so many deep balls in the videos and and you don't have to have a bazooka for an arm at quarterback to be an effective deep ball guy. I grew up watching Danny Warfel play. I, I had a better arm than Danny Warfel did. I mean, that guy did not have a great arm by any stretch of the imagination, but 
if you go back and watch those Florida, they were banging post routes, go routes. They were hitting deep, deep balls because it was about timing. It was about scheme. And it was about timing. And it was about accuracy. And then it was about guts. And that's one of the things I like about Jack Cohn on film. It's one of the things I liked about Drew Pine coming out of high school. It's why I've been higher on Drew Pine than most people, because I see a guy that, yes, he's not 6'4", and he doesn't have a bazooka for an arm. Jack Cohn may be close to 6'4", but he doesn't have a bazooka for an arm. But it's about timing, accuracy, and guts. And just having the – the. it's not about I'm going to try to fit this ball between three defenders, but, man, if I throw this ball in time, I got a chance to give my player a chance to go make a play. That's what I like. And not being afraid to make a mistake sometimes. And that's what I hope that does not get beat out of them like it did with Ian Book. Ian Book was a much more aggressive player in 2018 than he was in 2020 and 2019. And I want to see him get back to that and th- as an offense. And so I want to see the vertical game be more of a part of what they do because, A, they have the receivers to do it. They have the tight ends to do it. They have the running backs to do it. And they have the quarterbacks that can do it, in, in my opinion. So I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see RPOs. I hope we see more perimeter screens. We've seen a lot of perimeter screens in practice. We're seeing bubble screens in practice. We're seeing look screens in practice. Now, on Saturday's film, the defense was blowing up. That's fine. It, that, it's going to take time to get there. I just like the fact that we are actually seeing those things. And then when you couple that with Coach Kelly's comments, and then you add to that the things that I'm hearing from my sources, you know, it's only April 5th, and it's early. We're still four practices in. But it's one of those things that's happening this offseason that is giving me a, a, a glimmer of hope that we're going to see Coach Kelly make those changes. Because that's really the final thing keeping him from winning a national championship. That's the final thing keeping him from having a statue built outside the stadium. That's the final the final feather in his legacy at Notre Dame is win, winning the title. If he could leave Notre Dame as their all-time winningest coach, which he's going to be after this season, winningest meaning the number of wins. He's not close to the winning percentage, but that's just, I mean, that's a standard that's never going to get, get matched. I mean, because, I mean, really, I think Newt Rockney's top three or four all-time any coach. So it's about getting the number of wins and then adding the title. If he does that, then Brian Kelly will go down as a great coach. And then all the things he's done to get Notre Dame to this point will become even perceived even better because that, that had to happen to get him to that final step. So if he can make these changes and he's serious about making these changes and they buy into these changes and they continue to go out and, and here's how the process works. You go through the spring, you see what you got athletically. We like what we have here. This guy can play. This guy's got skill. Uh, you know, this player maybe didn't make a ton of plays, but boy, did you see him how fast he is and dynamic he is. Then what you do is you take that evaluation of your talent. You look at the things that you did well in the spring. What were we effective at? You know, hey, we were really good at running this concept. We re- we ran this really effectively. You know, we we have a lot of concepts in that were for Jordan Johnson that work for him, or we have a lot of good concepts for Avery. We've added some stuff for Avery Davis, but you know. We, we need to find some more ways to get Brayden Lindsey the ball or Xavier Watts or Lawrence Keys. And then what you do is then you evaluate your offense and you as you go into the summer and say, what are some things we can do to now utilize those skill sets or this particular player? And you build around that. And then how do you incorporate your, your dudes into that? So how do we use these things to make Michael Mayer more effective or make Kyron Williams more effective or Chris Tyree more effective? Those are the types of things that happen as the next part of this process. But you really don't get into that until you really go through spring and evaluate what your guys can do. And that's going to be the thing that determines whether or not 
they make some changes that are good enough to get Notre Dame to like that 37, 38, 39 point per game mark in the regular season, which is great, which is going to help them get back to the college football playoff. But more importantly, are these the changes that are going to then allow them to score enough points to be competitive in those big games? Because if you can be competitive against an Alabama or a Clemson or Ohio State in the playoff scenario, what it means is you're going into the fourth quarter with a chance to win. And then it's up to you know guys to make plays. It's up to the right calls and the plays and all that. But you have to get there first. Notre Dame has not been competitive in the second half of a college football playoff game yet. They just they just haven't. And so that's that next step. When you get close, then that's that's where you get your opportunity. Here's the thing. Notre Dame doesn't have to beat Alabama 10 out of 10 times. This is what people don't get. Oh, well, Notre Dame's never going to recruit like Alabama. Well, neither does Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has beat Alabama twice. You know, neither does Auburn, and they've beat Alabama multiple times in the last five, six years. Uh, no, nobody recruits like them. Clemson didn't recruit like them when they when they beat them in 2016. If you go back and look at the recruiting classes Alabama had the previous five years compared to what Clemson had, it's not even close. But what they what you do is you have to get yourself to the point where you have enough talent at the key positions to where on any given Saturday you play your game, you match up well enough with them that you can beat them. And that's where Notre Dame has not been, and that's where they, they're they getting to talent-wise. And now it's about making sure that you're giving that talent all the tools it needs to be successful. And that's why I focus so much on the philosophical changes that are needed. You're not going to go out there next year and add 12 five-star players that all can play like Will Fuller. It's just not happening, right? So what do you need to do to take the talent you have and maximize it? And that's the key. In if that's what Brian Kelly is doing right now, and I'm I'm optim I'm more optimistic today on April 5th, which is my 13th wedding anniversary, by the way. Uh, if you if you are able to take that and what you're what he's saying on April 5th, and the things that I'm hearing, and the things that they're doing, and you say, okay, these things are happening. This is all a step towards it. I'm a lot more optimistic now on April 5th than I was two weeks ago before spring practice started much more optimistic because then it was just like a, well, this is what I think needs to happen. And I hope it happens. And there's a cautious optimism just because you always have optimism in March and April. Now it's an optimism that's built around what I'm seeing, what we're seeing on the highlights, what we're hearing from coach Kelly, what we're seeing on the field and what we're hearing about what they're actually doing on the practice field. And that's where I'm excited. And that's where I'm hoping we continue to see more and more of it. And as we do, we'll, Obviously, bring it to you. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down. Uh, and and hopefully when we get out to the fall, we're going to see it happen in the fall. And and I'm excited about it, and I hope you guys are too. You guys and gals are too. So uh, that's going to be it for this podcast. We'll be back tomorrow uh, to kind of talk about some more Notre Dame topics. We'll have some recruiting topics coming up this week. And, of course, on Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern, we will have – our uh, live Notre Dame football mailbag. It will be another Friday free-for-all, which means you can talk about anything Notre uh, Dame-related, anything uh, Notre Dame recruiting-related, anything college football-related, if you want. And so uh, we'll be back with that. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us. If you are watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and hit the notification bell and share our content with people so that other Notre Dame fans can see what we're doing and can join our channel and join our community. If you are listening on a podcast, please subscribe to whatever pot to Irish breakdown podcast on whatever platform 
you use and give us a five-star rating. It helps us to continue to get our content out to more and more Notre Dame fans. And as always, check out irishbreakdown.com for all the latest news and analysis on Notre Dame's football team and recruiting. And uh, we'll get you that. We'll keep you as up-to-date as we possibly can. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.